Hi kids, this is chapter one, a deadly secret of my novel, The Time Mouse. I think you'll like Costello. He's one of those people, sorry, mice, that always thinks he has the answer to everything. But really, he's a bit of a fraud. I'm sure you all know people like that too. Anyway, Costello is here to ask for help. He has a problem with time that only normals, that's people like you and me, can help him with. So are you ready? Let's go and meet Costello and Cheryl with their deadly secret. The Time Mouse by Bill Allerton Chapter 1 A Deadly Secret Cheryl's bedroom was now very quiet. The nightlight was soft and lit the walls with a rosy glow. All around her, the house settled down for the night as all houses do with little squeaks and groans as they cool and calm from the day. The wood and bricks nestled comfortably against each other around Cheryl and her very special friends. She'd said good night to them all, one at a time. There was Panda, beaming down at her from the shelf above the bed, his torn ear warm proudly after his scuffle with Jenny, the neighbour's dog. Cheryl had awarded him a special medal that day for his bravery in not crying when Mom had stitched the remains of his ear together. The medal was still there on his chest, a milk-bottle top pinned tightly over the spot Cheryl imagined the panda's heart to be. Next to Panda sat a collection of misfits. In fact, the only place they could fit was within the heart of the little girl who laid there wishing them good-night in turn. "'Good-night, Teddy One-Eye,' Cheryl whispered. "'Oh, and Clown, I mustn't forget you. Which face have you worn today?' Clown sat quietly on the edge of the shelf. The cotton stitching that had once been his eyes, nose and mouth was completely worn away by the loving attention that Cheryl gave to her very best friends. Now, on the days when Cheryl felt really sad, her mind's eye filled the clown's face with a picture of sorrow. But on the days when she felt on top of the world, the clown's face beamed back at her with a glow of joy. It was good to have a friend that always felt the way you did. Cheryl had fallen quickly into a warm, deep sleep when suddenly, above the dresser, a small patch of air began to shimmer. The patch grew bigger and rounder, and the light from the nightlight looked wiggly as it passed through it, like the air above a hot summer road. The patch became a silver bubble, about twelve inches across, that hovered over the dresser, moving about a little as if it couldn't make up its mind what to do. Then with a pop that made Cheryl come back halfway from her deep sleep, the bubble burst. Where the bubble had shimmered was now a fat, silver-grey mouse, almost the size and shape that the bubble had been. 
He looked down from where he sat, turning slowly in mid-air, six inches above the glass top of the dresser. Oh, tick, said the mouse, in a voice like fingernails on blackboards. Missed again, isn't it? He dropped the last six inches onto the dresser top, landing with a plop that rattled a plate of biscuits that had been left there by Cheryl's mum. His fall shook crumbs from their edges and swirled the milk in the tall glass beside them. He sat there in the soft glow of Cheryl's nightlight, preening his whiskers with paws like little soft leather hands. His fur was a warm silver grey and covered him from tip to toe except for the quick and delicate fingers that were still rubbing the kinks from his nose. When the whiskers were once more as he preferred them, long and straight with no bends or twists, he looked around where he sat. As he turned, the light shone on the shape of a large golden key that looked as if it were painted on his chest. It was the kind of key that winds clocks. The first thing he saw was the plate with its dark, crumbly chocolate biscuits. Oh, my, he said, such temptations. He patted his waistline, or at least where his waistline might have been if he'd had one. Don't give in, Costello, old lad, he said, for Costello was his name. And being a time mouse and used to working alone, he was fond of talking to himself. He'd once been heard to say that sometimes it was the only way he could get a sensible answer. His finger reached out to touch a crumb that his arrival had shaken to the edge of the plate. He felt it under his fingertip. It was crisp and crunchy on one side and the other was dark and smooth with chocolate. And one crumb wouldn't hurt, would it? But first he had to drop back into time. He wasn't supposed to eat on duty, and if he switched off the time field, perhaps no one would notice until he'd had just one crumb, or maybe two. On his wrist was a large watch with a round face with numbers that you or I would never understand, not being time mice, of course. He pushed a bright silver button on one side, and the air around him shimmered once and then was still. It was then that he saw the milk. Now, no one knows exactly why, but time mice and milk are like bears and honey. He had to have it, or, as he promised himself faithfully, just one or two sips. First, he scooped up the crumb of biscuit from the plate and popped it into his mouth. It sat there on his tongue in the pink darkness. What better, he thought, than to wash it down with cool white milk. Nothing, he said, out loud and much to his own surprise. Cheryl stirred and turned over. Costello watched for a moment until she was still again. When he was sure she wasn't awake, he turned to study the milk in its tall glass. Despite his long time mouse nose and his pink time mouse tongue that could usually reach most things, he couldn't reach down into the glass far enough to get the milk. Beside the nightlight he found a toy soldier who was playing a large drum attached to his chest. His hat was a cork and inside he was filled with a sweet-smelling cologne. Cheryl had bought him as a present from the seaside, 
but her cousin had been so horrid, and Cheryl admired him so much that she couldn't bear to give him away. Costello pushed the soldier across the dresser top, and climbed on the drum to lean into the glass. He stopped a moment to look at the milk, and imagine how it was going to taste. He became so excited that his legs started to shake, making the soldiers slip out from under him. He fell into the glass upside down with a loud squelch and was stuck. Oogle, 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 here, he said. The words were upside down and bubbled with milk so no one could tell what he said, which didn't really matter, as no one was listening. He continued to bubble away for a moment, then decided to try to drink his way out of trouble but he just became fatter and more tightly wedged. As he struggled, the glass clattered on the dresser top, sliding the pot soldier to the edge where he fell with a loud splink-splonk onto the keys of Cheryl's toy piano. She woke up with a start. Oogle, 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 yeah, said Costello. What? Who? said Cheryl, not really quite awake. Oogle, yeah, oogle, yeah, said Costello. Cheryl looked to see what could make such a noise in her bedroom at this time of night. What she saw were two large grey feet, well, large for a mouse, sticking out of the top of her milk glass. Now, little girls don't usually like mice, but Cheryl could see that this one was in trouble, and Cheryl never let anyone down if she could help it. She took the glass in one hand and the feet gently in the other and pulled. Oogle, out of here, said the mouse, upside down, and dripping milk from the tip of his nose and his whiskers. I thought I was going to drown, lass. Thank you. Sheddle set him down the right way up and said, That's all right. My pleasure, I'm sure. Then stopped. She put her hand to her mouth. I, I've just spoken to a mouse, she said. I must be dreaming. Costello stood up as carefully and gracefully as spilt milk on the glass top would allow, and said, It's no dream, lass. Number one, two, three, four, three, two, one. Costello, time mouse, second class, northwest sector, at your service. He bowed long and low to Cheryl, then said in a deeply serious voice, And please, have you got a tissue? I am rather wet. Cheryl took several tissues from the box by her bed and mopped him down. Mind the whiskers, he said. Don't be such a crosspatch, said Cheryl. And what's a time mouse, anyway? Deadly secret, is that, said Costello, running his fingers along his whiskers, checking for bends and kinks. Sworn to secrecy, I am. Can't go round telling normals all about it. No, sorry, can't. Not right, you know. Shouldn't. Mustn't, in fact. Not proper, it isn't. Oh, be still a minute, said Cheryl, mopping the last of the milk from the tip of his tail, where it had run once he was the right way up. Not even normals that save your life. Can't be done, said Costello. Not proper, I said so. You see, if well, it's not right at all, but you did, perhaps. Maybe if I, well, just a little, seeing as how, just maybe, you might have helped to save my life. Yes, why not? Deadly secret, though. Perhaps I shouldn't? Oh, please yourself, said Cheryl. I'll just go back to sleep and try to remember this dream in the morning. Now, Costello had been called a lot of things in his time, 
although he was still only three hundred years old, which was quite young for a time mouse, but never before had he been called a dream. He wasn't sure that he liked it. Oh, he said, dream, is it? Well, what do you think of this, then? He turned the dial of the wristwatch and pushed a button on the side. Cheryl felt the whole room shiver for a moment and then become still, but this was a different kind of stillness. This was a stillness where no trees danced in the wind outside, where curtains didn't rustle, where houses didn't creak and where little girls don't usually find themselves. What happened? What is it? asked Cheryl, hugging her knees to her chest and pulling the covers higher. No, lass, not what, but where? said Costello, puffing out his chest. Then where? asked Cheryl, becoming impatient. Hmm, deadly secret, said Costello, in his best voice for deadly secrets. Cheryl glared at him. Oh, all right, he said. You're in a time field. With time cows and time buttercups, asked Cheryl, smiling. No, silly, said Costello. It means you're outside of time. While you're here with me, all time has stopped. All the normal clocks won't turn. Water won't drip. Cocks won't crow. Dogs won't bark. Well, I think I understand, said Cheryl, then asked. That must be a very good watch. How does it work? Costello thought for a moment. Hmm. Deadly secret, he said. Costello tried to tell her, between mouthfuls of biscuit, that time mice were the guardians of time, while all the normals, that's what time mice call us, are sound asleep. The time mice whiz around making sure that time is in its right place, and, well, on time. Without them, Costello told Cheryl, we would all wake up at different times in the morning. It could get so bad that you could get ready for school, set off, meet yourself coming back and not even notice. Cheryl wasn't sure how much of this was true and how much was down to the twinkle in his eye as he spoke. But she thought that if she didn't listen to the parts where his chest puffed up in pride and took notice of what was left, she would get it about right. Costello was just telling Cheryl about the way he'd been chosen to work outside of time and close to normals because of his speed and agility and his ability to keep deadly secrets, even under the most extreme persuasion, when the watch on his wrist began to beep very, very loudly. His chest unpuffed in surprise. Turn it off, said Cheryl, quickly, or you'll wake Mom and Dad. Steady on, lass, said Costello. We're outside of time, remember. No normal clocks, no crowing cocks, no... Yes, yes, said Cheryl impatiently. But how does it work? It's, er, uh, began Costello. Yes, said Cheryl, I know. Deadly secret. She stopped, noticing the look in his eye. No, it's clockwork, he said. He stopped talking long enough to study the dial. Oh, no, he said. Oh, no. What is it? asked Cheryl. It's... Costello hesitated. Deadly secret? said Cheryl. No, said Costello. Deadly dangerous. It's a time bubble. What happens in a time bubble? asked Cheryl. 
People become trapped in them, said Costello. Forever? asked Cheryl. No, said Costello. Only until the Watchits get them. Watchits? said Cheryl. What's a Watchit? Costello tapped the side of his nose with a tiny, leathery finger. Deadly secret, he said. <laughs>